0: Of the Celtics Pride Podcast on Celtics Blog. I'm Adam Otenko. With me, as always, Mike Minkoff. Woo!
1: <laughs> the Celtics just swept the Brooklyn Nets. We are recording this right after the game. And, Adam, you know, I've got one question you know I have to ask you right to Go start. Still think the Celtics should have tried to avoid the Nets? <laughs>
0: I never said that they should try to avoid are you, them. I, are you sure I said, you no, didn't I, say you're that? Right. You're right. I said that. <laughs> the last thing I said was that they, we should be afraid of the Nets. And that's what I thought you were going to ask me about. So that's what I was ready for there. Because clearly the answer is no. Uh, because this Celtics team is something else. Uh, do I think that we should avoid, should have avoided the Nets? I, I mean, I still, I still kind of felt like that would have been ideal playing Chicago or... Uh,
1: um all i'll yeah. say celtic once it was down to Toronto, and listeners the Nets. is i warned you that adam is a doom and gloomer and lo and behold here we are four games later already on to the second round
0: <laughs> so should we just spend the whole time i'm sure our listeners want to hear us just talk about how wrong i was not this that, that sounds amazing great game to me. <laughs> and this amazing series.
1: Oh, fine. Yes. Uh, what was your favorite moment of the series or of this game?
0: Well, this game, I, I took some notes on what happened immediately after Tatum fouled out. And I wrote down, uh, can the Celtics win with grit here? Will they wilt? Will they lose their composure? and they absolutely did not. And then I mean, like, I tracked every single offensive possession they had. Horford with the post-up. Blake knew what Al wanted, that he wanted to go to his right hand, stopped it. JB loses the handle, turns it over. And, of course, you know, I've been harping on Jalen Brown's need to improve his dribbling. Shows up there. Almost shows up on the next play. Uh, actually, no, smart foul. Uh, yeah, on the next play, JB drives, almost loses the ball, but, but is able to score on a layup. Uh, then he outlets the ball to Durant uh, off a Durant miss free throw to smart who misses the layup at Horford is there to clean it up. Smart gets a foul with free throws and then it's just free throws the rest of the way, basically. And, and they did win with grit. They absolutely did. They hit the shots that they needed to. They still played good defense. uh, And and I love seeing that based on where this team was at the beginning of the year, you know, even, even with Tatum fouling out the way that he reacted to it, (laughs) the amount of crying that he did about it. And I, I agree that last foul should not have been called, uh, but that's the kind of stuff that happens. That's you know, so I didn't love I didn't love the way that he reacted to that adversity, but the rest of the team hung strong. Horford, uh, um, Smart, and and Brown they played well enough. I loved seeing it.
1: Yeah, I mean, and look, Tatum he he had there was a tough whistle. Uh, Griffin got a couple good charges, legit charges on him. Tandem was still 9 for 16 from the field, 4 for 6 from 3, 7 for 8 from the line, 29 points, plus 10, best plus minus on the Celtics for the game. He was amazing this entire series. He was the best player in the series with Kevin Durant. Um, And I said before the playoffs that there were two players that I thought in the Eastern Conference – that Tatum could not reasonably be expected to be the best player in a series against. One was Durant, the other was Giannis. He's now likely going to have a chance to go against Giannis, but Tatum was absolutely the best player in the series. He played great defense all series. Speaking of great defense, this is a meandering pod, everyone listening, because we're just reacting here. Speaking of great defense, how about Grant Williams' defense on Kevin Durant? I am like... All series. Uh, He, I mean, I was, I remember kind of sheepishly admitting that I was most excited about Grant Williams in the preseason to kind of see what he was going to be this year. Like, that's who I was most excited to see. Um, I did never, ever expected Grant Williams would be a viable defensive option against a player like. KD and KD like ate this game, right? He had 39 points. He was the kind of offensive, um, elite offensive player that we kind of were terrified was going to show up every game, but it still took him 31 field goal attempts this game. Mm-hmm. Um, he, yeah, and Grant like made him work so hard. He and he, and really what impressed me the most about Grant was how his lateral movement and how he was able to stay in front of Durant every time Durant tried to turn a corner on him. It was really, really impressive.
0: And he played great offensively this series too. He didn't shoot well in the first game, but if you, if you take out that first game, his shot percentages are crazy high. He, he played really, really well this series and we needed him with Rob Williams out. Can we come back to Tatum? Yeah. Good. He, he leveled up. I mean, and, and, This is not the first time this has been talked about. I'm not the first person to say this, Uh, but he he has leveled up this series. He's clearly one of the best two-way players in the league. Uh, You know, I think that we knew that, we we could have said that he was in that top category, but we were still waiting for him to transcend. And his combination of defense on KD, scoring, hitting, and not, Tatum didn't have an amazing Tatum scoring night. In this series, but he he hit key shots and his passing has been transcended for the last couple of months into this these playoffs, importantly. Uh and he's he's bested a mentor and he's made a statement about his place in the league. And that's a place that we didn't know was possible for him as early as the end of January this season. I am like so impressed and surprised at how he's taken his game not one level up, two levels up. Like he's now in a conversation of, is he a top five or top 10 player in the NBA? And I I think the rest of these playoffs, he's going to continue to show that. But this series specifically because of his play against Durant, amazing.
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, you know, I think if you were to do a, if I'm going to pick a player to like build a franchise around today type of draft Mm -hmm. across the NBA, the list of people that you would take before Jason Tatum is very, very, very short. I, I mean, off the top of my head, I think there are probably two people you take f- before him: Giannis oh. and Luca. And, and I, I, I mean, Luca, you know, you could argue a little bit either way, but he, he is more offensively dynamic, though Tatum's obviously growing but like tatum's head and shoulders better defensively um and then tatum's Luka. a much better shooter than Giannis. Giannis is just such a, a physical freak but like even the, i mean that's a conversation like i can't think of anyone else in the even in the conversation
0: luca was the first person that came to mind to me not that i would choose him over but he was the closest to tatum before and i think he was ahead of tatum before i don't think he's ahead of tatum he this.
1: i i'm not yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hold it against you if you went with Tatum, and you know, I'm happy to wear my green, my green tinted shades right now. So, um, what else stood out for for you in this game?
0: Yeah, um, I mean, it's really that the kind of run that this team is starting. Like this is a special. This could be a special, special run uh, because what we're seeing i I was saying, I was telling everybody on, on the Celtics blog Slack, and I was telling you guys before the playoffs, Like, and this is part of the reason that I was afraid of Brooklyn and part of the reason that I was initially saying, yeah, we should try and avoid them if we can. The playoffs are a different season. And anybody that doesn't get that you know, hasn't seen the playoffs since last year. And it's easy to forget that when we watch regular season games and you see trends that there's teams that play phenomenally well in the regular season and then struggle in the playoffs. This team is showing that what they have done in the regular season is translating, at least against Brooklyn, and and I mean in a sweep.
1: I think this is look, this is something Ime has said very in in a very Ime way. It's very matter of fact and to the point, but like completely accurate. Um, he's like, what we do on offense and defense travels, like it travels into the postseason, and he's you know his principles are simple. Let's move the ball, and you know, play a good D. <laughs> like it's, it's really not hard. Um, but it is hard. And you have, and, and we have, you know, um, I was listening to the TNT broadcast. I, I think, I think there's also the, the Boston local broadcast for these, but um, you know, Stan Van Gundy and Brian Anderson uh, were just, or Stan Van Gundy in particular was, was just emphasizing how all of the kind of, matchup conundrums and lineup conundrums that the Nets had when they were making, they could go small, but then they'd give up rebounding, uh, but they get shooting and better penetration, or they could go larger, but have less penetration and maybe some shooting and maybe better rebounding, but not as good defensive um, matchups, yada, yada, yada. And And then Van Gundy was like, the Celtics have none of those problems, right? We have such a unique combination of athletic, strong, intelligent, skilled players across the board. Um, and it's just been really exciting to watch this team form this, uh, the identity, um, build these habits. I, I think Ima deserves so, so much credit for being able to build upon some of the foundation little skills and principles that, that Stevens had kind of helped, helped, um, you know, lay some of that foundation, but Ime brought the players to a whole different level. And obviously the players did the work. Um, So it's just so cool uh, to see it translate. And, you know, I was, I think as bullish, uh, I thought as bullish as I could be on the Celtics chances in this series, I picked them in five. I got really nervous about that uh, based on how the first game went. Um, I did not think a sweep was going to happen. That's wild to me.
0: Yeah. I mean, really, to me, every game was close here. There were points where I I wasn't sure what, what was going to happen.
1: They were. And I think that's, that highlights how well established the habits really were. The winning habits really were for the team because they, you know, we had something um, as a team that we could kind of fall back on when the, when the kind of moments got to higher leverage moments. Yeah. And and when the pressure increased, we knew who we were. We knew what we wanted to do. We knew what we needed to do. And we had the confidence as a team to do it.
0: And that, that continued for the Celtics, even when their best player fouled out and Brooklyn could smell that this was their opportunity to take this game and they were hitting huge shots. We yeah. still pulled that out. I, I'm curious, Mike, what do you think about the way that the Celtics have slowed the pace uh, in terms of, uh running off of of rebounds not running off of rebounds and missed shots as much the way that they kind of rolled the ball up towards the end of this game tried to work the clock um and really in all of these games it seemed like they were running less there was less of this idea that the way that they generate offense is by playing great defense and then getting out on the break
1: i mean i i think it depends on the circumstances i didn't notice it as much in at least some of the prior games as in this game i don't i didn't love it um I think part of it, I think there are a few factors. They're probably a bit gassed. Um, yeah. Tatum had fouled out, and I think they were trying not to force things too much without, you know, the guy who, you know, basically the, the queen on the chessboard. Um, but, you know, I think. I th- again, Stan Van Gundy was saying, this is not what you should be doing. You should be pushing the pace and putting pressure and trying to score buckets. And, and I think there's there's some truth to that. I also, every time Stan Van Gundy as a tangent uh, was talking, I was like, no wonder players tuned him out. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's just something in the way he frames things where it's like, you're probably right, but that's still kind of annoying. Um, but yeah, so I didn't love it. I didn't love that we were slowing it down so much, but Again, at the at the end of the day, we did make the plays we needed to make. Um, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fixate on it too much. Um, I think not having Tatum on the floor is a big piece of kind of the confidence. And I also think you know, well, Rob Rob sometimes played at the end of games and sometimes didn't before he got injured. Um, I am curious to see how his reintegration starts starts influencing kind of the energy. Um, and force that we kind of play with as a team.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about Rob because uh, he has not looked great. Uh, He's, he's minutes have not been very high. He looks a bit out of rhythm. Did you see any flashes of like his supreme athleticism in, in either of these last two games?
1: Yeah. I mean, he had a couple, I mean, he had a couple of, um, you know, uh, he went up for a couple of alley-oops. He, he had a, a, a couple kind of, leaps here and there, but not necessarily quite as explosive. And I think his reaction time and his reading, you know, he's a little slower reading the game at the moment. Yeah. Nothing all that surprising, frankly, after a month uh, away from the the game and three, three plus months um, or sorry, three plus weeks uh, off of a, a, I guess, apparently relatively minor, but still surgery uh, surgical procedure. So I agree. He's looked rusty um he hasn't looked as physically imposing but it's to from my perspective pretty great that he's what he played 15 or so game minutes uh in game 3 he played
0: 14
1: 14 this game yeah i mean he was he was clearly not like A difference maker except it was nice to have those extra four fouls at the big man (laughs) spot to be honest because Horford had four Tice had four and Grant had three so those were a useful four fouls to to be able to allocate um
0: yeah I did not see his his, like he's athletic naturally but I did not see his supreme athleticism in either of these games and and I'm not concerned about all of these things that I'm mentioning here I think that he's going to look very different in one to two weeks And I think the question that I have is, like you said, how will he get integrated back? For me, it's is he going to get moved back into the starting lineup or not?
1: Yeah, I don't. I mean, I I think I think the team will 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 gauge that over the coming. You know, I, I imagine our next series won't start for at least four or five days. Um, which is good. Like it, it seemed like Grant Williams like may have tweaked his back or his calf or so. I thought it was just like a leg cramp or something, but coming out of the, the break, the TNT suggested it was a, a, a back tweak or something, but he seemed fine. But, you know, I'm sure all these guys have like three to four things that they're, they're kind of nursing. So um, Horford always does better on long rest. So good to get extra rest. Uh, give, Robert Williams, more time to kind of get, get used to just being fully engaged and participant. I'm sure the team will get some full practices in. I wouldn't be surprised if he started next series as a starter. Um, but I also wouldn't be surprised if Tice get, kept getting the start. I, I don't, I, I need to take one moment here just in defense of Daniel Tice. I don't understand why everyone continues to act shocked when Daniel Tice is pretty good. Like, it really bothers me. (laughs) The dude was a starting center for an Eastern Conference final team, and he was good. Like, he got beasted by Bam, but Bam is a freaking amazing athlete and an extremely good basketball player. Like, okay, fine. He got beasted by Bam. Um, But Daniel Tice is very, very, you know, he's got very good basketball IQ. He's kind of a a versatile um he's not exceptional at anything at anything but he's he's solid to to very good at a number of of key things um and he's totally functional so swapping in there and and keeping keeping things stable as a starter
0: yeah so. he guards three and a half to four positions. He, he's really switchable uh he knows his role he doesn't try and do too much he's he's good he soaks up fouls like
1: like no other yeah.
0: and you know and <laughs> this time around. It feels like he's the one making the fouls instead of the refs giving him a bad whistle, I got to say. but
1: uh... Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's no argument here. Um, one other shout-out, uh, Marcus Smart, 20 points, 11 assists. A lot of those points were some free, freebies at the end, but still, 11 assists, uh, one turnover, uh, plus nine on the game, second highest plus minus, um other another thing that is infuriating me is all all of the commentary we're hearing of people saying how big a surprise it was that Marcus Smart was actually the point guard all along it just it just kills me (laughs) I'm like yeah or or some of us were saying it three years ago but that's fine whatever sure (laughs) yep
0: he's been playing out of position for two plus years
1: no, he's literally his entire career with the Celtics until this year.
0: No, he was he played point guard his mm-hmm. rookie in second Mm-mm. year. I thought I we had. I mean, he's always we had it. The...
1: We had it, and then we had Kyrie, and then we had Kemba.
0: He's always been the first or second best passer on the team.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, um any other comments on this series?
0: I mean, we could get into some Brooklyn stuff, but...
1: I didn't want to talk about Kyrie's off-the-court antics, but I do want to be petty about <laughs> Kyrie's on-the-court performance. Are we okay with that?
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, I'm ready to move on from Kyrie. I find his off-the-court antics far more interesting, to be honest.
1: <laughs> the I'm on-the-court just, just
0: aligns uh, with it. My,
1: my pettiness is simply how sweet it is to, to sweep, of all the teams, the one that Kyrie ditched us for. It's just it's just nice icing on the cake. And I agree. Let's move on.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I don't even... I mean, we could talk about Steve Nash's his coaching moves. We could nah. talk about Blake Griffin. We could talk about uh, the thought, team as a whole. We could talk about Ben on, Simmons. On I don't Blake, want to talk about any good of on it.
1: Blake Griffin. I, I, I respected yeah, his performance. Play. Um, I feel bad for KD, even though it's a mess of his own making. Uh, and yeah. I'm very happy to be a Celtics fan.
0: Let's not forget... The culture that the Brooklyn Nets organization created prior to making the moves that brought in Kyrie Irving, uh, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. Let's not forget the success that, te- that team was having relative to their talent. They, they gave that up for this. And the question is, th- so the most interesting piece about uh, at this point in the series to me is there has been this question of does talent win over team, over, over teamwork? Over playing as a team, and I've been arguing this talent piece, and that's why I was afraid of Brooklyn. Uh, and Mike, you've been arguing this team piece, and clearly, team won out here.
1: I think I think it's really important to to have talent that buys into culture. I think yeah, that's how I would put it. And if you're
0: building a championship organization, and I don't think it matters what sport it is, you want to have a really it doesn't, competent. It doesn't matter what
1: field it is.
0: Yeah you want you want competent effective people who know what they're doing starting at the top and you want people who know their roles and do their job well and who and and a culture that supports everybody working together and they shifted from a culture that where that existed to one that is very obviously not that
1: yeah and i mean and this is why a guy like Kyrie is so corrosive because what you need is a, a an organizational pull that it's nurturing the the goals and objectives of the individuals as well as the organization and that's all kind of simpatico and if one of your highest paid and highest performing individuals within an organization is just operating on their own rules that is running afoul of the personal goals and priorities of other individuals and and it it just it kind of saps motivation it saps buy-in and and it it it's really problematic, and it's kind of mind-boggling to me how many teams keep making the same mistake with Kyrie. But I I think uh, the Nets are going to be the last team that does it. They might sign him again, but I, I can't see him getting a bag from another team. But anyway, let's move on from Kyrie.
0: So uh, Philadelphia is currently playing Chicago. Uh, you'll no. know whether, No. Toronto. Toronto, thank you. Uh, you'll know whether they've won uh, the series or – are playing uh, game six into three, two
1: right now. They're losing by 13 with eight minutes in the fourth to Toronto. Uh, they're playing in Philly in game five. I gotta say another petty comment. If Philadelphia with doc rivers and James Harden to all time, playoff chokers gets, loses this game at home, goes back to Toronto up 3-2, loses that, and has a Game 7 at home. That is going to be all-time classic uh, must-watch playoff basketball. Oh, my goodness. The choke potential is off the charts.
0: Assuming Miami uh, beats the Hawks uh, to go up uh, uh, over the – yeah, assuming the Miami Heat wins, then uh, they will be playing the winner of that series. Likely the Celtics are playing um, Milwaukee. They play next on Wednesday – so we're definitely we definitely have a few days off here before the first game of the. the oh, next they play round. next
1: on Wednesday. Wow! Yeah. I didn't realize that. Um, so let's. And they're up
0: three-one on the Bulls. Let's so, do uh,
1: some very premature projecting into that series, uh, for like the last couple minutes of this before we we close out our our reaction pod.
0: I'll start by saying that I looked up today or yesterday Chris Middleton's injury. He's supposed to be out two weeks as of like two days ago, so he's going to miss probably the very beginning of that series at minimum, maybe a little bit more. And he had an MCL issue too, but I I don't know how long he's going to be out or what his, he's going to look like when he comes back, but they will be slightly shorthanded at minimum.
1: Yeah. I mean, I had picked the Celtics and when we did our, our pre playoff predictions, I believe I picked the Celtics to beat Miami or uh, Milwaukee in seven. I think Um, if Middleton's gone for two games, or three games, um, or, and, and even just coming off an injury, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring that down um, to five or six. Um, I th- I really think this team is just built different. Um, and it's yeah, it's it's very very tempting. Relatedly, I picked uh, Miami to beat the Celtics in seven in the Eastern Conference Finals if they meet there. If Lowry is not 100%, Lowry was like the main reason I was making that pick because I respect the heck out of Kyle Lowry, um, and I think he's just going to play at a totally different level in the playoffs. Um, but if he's not at 100%, then I'd pick in the Celtics.
0: Your boy George Hill has no timetable for return for Milwaukee.
1: He is my boy. I do like George Hill. Yeah, we do like him.
0: Uh, <laughs> I mean, so obviously Giannis is going to be – Uh, The key to stop here, they've built a wall around him in the past where everybody focuses on him. They let him shoot the three. I'm really interested to see how Ime Odoka defends him, uh, how they scheme against him, how it's going to look different or not from what Brad Stevens did, and how they use their physicality, which they haven't always done a great job of, on him to disrupt him. It's a very different matchup than Kevin Durant. You can push Durant around. You can throw him off his rhythm, as we saw. Giannis is going to go through you. But
1: he is, I mean, I honestly, I think Giannis is a big reason why I would not be surprised if we saw Robert Williams back in the starting lineup, because Mm -hmm. I think, I think Giannis will, it, I mean, Milwaukee starts Brooke Lopez and um, Giannis, right? That's a lot of size and that's going to be very, very tough for Tice. So what I think, and I think the whole series would be pretty tough for Tice. I think he'd be fine against Bobby Portis when they bring Bobby Portis in. Um, but against those two guys, Tice is literally just going to pick up fouls every second. Um, I, think Does, Grant, has, I think Grant think Has Brook Lopez uh,
0: taken uh, Tyson to the post in the past? I mean, I just think of Brook at this point as, as shooting threes, and, and Tice would be solid guarding that.
1: Yeah, he. so I haven't watched enough Milwaukee to know definitively my understanding is that um Milwaukee of uh, f two or yeah, like two up to two years ago really didn't take advantage of Brooke going down into the post. I think last postseason they started doing that more when teams were putting smaller guys on him and and actually take you know taking advantage because Brooke Lopez early in his career was a monster in the post, like in his days on the Nets. Um, he was, he was pretty unstoppable down there. So, um, I do think they'd use that a bit, um, and you know, it, if they're wise, would definitely make that adjustment if the Celtics had Tice guarding Lopez. I think Grant Williams is going to have another, uh, sneaky, he's going to be really important. Um, cause I, I, I could see him getting minutes against both of those guys, both Giannis and Brooke Lopez um but you know al horford i've been i've been saying it for a long time this is you guys you and josh laughed at me when i said he's going to be our most our second most important playoff guy but he's one of the best Giannis defenders in the league or at least he was a few years ago and and i'll still and looks, looks like he's same. thrown back the <laughs> clock so <laughs>
0: and Grant williams is, is the type of defender that you want against a guy like Giannis as well
1: yeah he's uh, like a much 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 better version of shemi ogile Yep,
0: and Robert Williams plays Giannis well too. Exactly. And then, I mean, you know, the rest of the guys smart, uh, especially does does a, a fine job for guards against him. He he's the kind of defender that Tatum has trouble with, though. I will say that. Like Tatum's phenomenal defensively, but he can get overpowered by a guy like Giannis. Oh,
1: he's the type of offensive player that yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And I think I think it's going to be interesting. I could see um, Drew Holiday giving Tatum uh, a fair bit of trouble. Um, but that's why the Chris Middleton injury is a really big deal. Because mm-hmm. um, they've got Pat Connaughton. They've got Grayson Allen. Uh, should we put odds on Grayson Allen uh, cheap shotting one of the Jays? Um, I, I think that would be my greatest concern.
0: <laughs> I don't care what odds you put on it. I'm taking the over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, saying he does it.
1: Um, but, yeah, I mean, do you would you amend your – your prediction? Do you remember what your prediction was for the I don't, series? I
0: don't remember what I said. It was I don't probably six games, maybe it six was seven. Six or seven, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, uh, the way that the Celtics played, I, I think I would definitely choose the Celtics to win. Yeah. I, it's hard to win four games in a row in, in the playoffs. The idea that they are not going to go to six or more games against Milwaukee is hard to, for me to fathom, just like it was that they would do that against Brooklyn. But... This team, like they could steamroll Milwaukee if they figure out Giannis. They he, he's not shooting well from the perimeter, and like there's just there's ways that that can happen. Yeah, I th- and, th- and Tatum should have a much easier job on offense without having to to without the same kind of a focus on defense. Like I, Tatum, I think he did not have some amazing shooting games, and I think that that could be coming with a different focus on defense.
1: Yeah, the other reason that um, Horford is going to be important in this series. And um, one of the things that Milwaukee still does is they still kind of do that base drop coverage with Brooke and they give up lots and lots of threes. And Mm -hmm. so Horford's always been tough for them uh, from that vantage. They can do the pick and pop three with him at the top of the key. Um, And then at the, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they match up. I would imagine Giannis will kind of try to free safety and pre- prevent things like lobs to Rob Williams. Um, but the Celtics should be able to get, like, guys like Marcus Smart, Grant Williams, who's been hitting, Derek White, who has not been hitting, um, Peyton Pritchard. They're going to get lots of lots of good looks over the course of that series. So, you know, two or three of those guys are going to have to consistently be hitting their shots. And I think we can count on that. Um, I'm I'm hoping Derek White starts getting it going a little bit. He had a really nice first quarter um, of the game uh, tonight against the Nets, but uh, the three ball still wasn't falling.
0: Mike, can we end this podcast with some trivia for you? Sure. All right. This is all about statistics for the Celtics individual players for this entire first round series. Mike, who led the Celtics in three-point percentage with at least one three-point attempt at a game?
1: in this series in this series who led the Celtics in three point percent I'm gonna go with Horford
0: yeah 60 percent yeah he
1: he I told you he always does better in the playoffs like (laughs) he was a career 40 percent three-point shooter in the playoffs he's he's money man
0: uh Grant Williams shot 50 percent Tatum 42 percent Pritchard 43 percent um Mike tell me uh uh, if I told you that Jason Tatum hit nine free throws per or took nine free throws per game got to the line nine times, would you say it was more than that or less than that over or under?
1: I believe I would ooh, he had a lot of free throws in the game when he got 19 points because he didn't hit a lot of I'm gonna go with just under
0: 9.5 mm, okay just killing All it right. getting to the line. Uh, who led the Celtics in assists per game?
1: It's obviously either Tatum or Smart. I'm gonna go with Smart. Tatum
0: Smart <sighs> had seven, Tatum had 7.3 assists. Oh, per game. So, so close! These so last close. two statistics are the kinds that we've been talking about. He yep. needs to get to the line more, he needs to pass the ball more. These are like nine and a half free throws a game, those are the level. The numbers that you need to hit if you're going to score 30 points per game average on a season that's the level that you need to hit if you're going to be a top scorer in the game. That's the kind that like Harden, KD, etc., those guys hit th- those numbers. And Tatum's been like five, five and a half, maybe six. Uh, he's never really gotten above that, uh, at least in the regular season. And then 7.3 assists per game. I mean, that's a massive leap for him. He really, when he came back in the game with the with five fouls mm-hmm. he wasn't looking to shoot he was looking to pass the, yeah. to draw the defense and pass the ball it, it was just really impressive to see
1: adam there's a lot of a lot of things to like about this team right now um
0: last 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 question mike oh uh, we got one the, more one more who led the team in blocks per game
1: and the team in blocks per game grant williams
0: yes one and a half per game how about that short-armed grant williams
1: when he makes, lacks in arm length, he, he makes up for with heart.
0: Tatum <laughs> led the team in plus-minus with 6.8, yeah. followed just behind him by Al Horford, 6.5. Like the most important half. player
1: in the playoffs for the Celtics.
0: Th- those were the best two players in terms of plus-minus. So really, really impressive showing by these Celtics players. Just an amazing, amazing series and win tonight.
1: Very, very fun. Very satisfying. Everything about that series was satisfying if you're a Celtics fan. Um, I'm excited that they've got a few days off uh, to recover and prep and really looking forward to the next one.
0: Bring on the Bucks! If you're watching these games, if you're listening to this, you are a part of Celtics pride. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Celtics Pride Pod or individually at Mike Minkoff NBA at Coach Motenko for Josh who wasn't able to make it tonight. I'm not on Twitter. Thanks again for listening, everyone.